This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We decided that we're gonna make the best charcoal out there. Our motto is we shape a better world. We are thinking about kids and education. We wanna do more products to help the dogs stay healthy. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You just heard some snippets from our show. We had amazing people on. Listen for the rest of it. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a firm specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startups. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone. The road to entrepreneurship where we talk with startups, small businesses, and discuss the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have a very special treat with some amazing people, all Gerhardt Law clients represented by our very own David Postowski, and they're going to be talking about their projects. We have Ricky and Oren Franco, Rebecca Birmingham, Peter Olson, and Anya Skoda. And so we're really looking forward to hearing about their projects and their intellectual property and everything that's going on with their businesses. But before we get started, it is time for IP in the News. Right. How far would you go for a meatball? <laughs> Pretty far. Would you I go mean, back it to depends the ice on age? how hungry I am. <laughs> Tell us the story. Two different companies are trying to make food out of cells from woolly mammoths. Like the ancient woolly mammoths? Like the Ice Age woolly mammoths? Yeah, so this story is by Thomas McCauley on TNW's newsletter. That's a tech site. He says a bitter feud has erupted over who first resurrected the woolly mammoth as a meatball. You've got to explain this further. What do you mean? So they took cells from it and they're making food out of it. So they're kind of taking the DNA from a woolly mammoth, right? And they're doing things to it, science things. And they created a meatball. But you can't have one yet because they haven't perfected it. Okay. So what is the controversy? There are two companies doing this. One is Bao, and there's a scale-up called Paleo. So Paleo thinks they were doing it first. Paleo is in Belgium. Vow is in the Netherlands. And Paleo argues that it developed the myoglobin tech two years earlier and had filed patent applications. Paleo says that's too bad because... We did the, it first. Yeah, Vow says the mammoth meatball is not food and dismissed Paleo's claims. So did they also develop ancient Ice Age barbecue sauce for the meatball? Yeah. <laughs> so it also says, Paleo said when Vow claims that no one has tasted mammoth myoglobin. This is simply not true. We developed the mammoth myoglobin and we tasted it in our lab. So the myoglobin (laughs) is the meat. I guess if you're going to make a meatball, it's almost impossible not to try it, right? Especially an ancient meatball. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know when we're ever going to get mammoth meatballs to eat, but I just find it fascinating that two different companies in two different countries are trying to make food out of woolly mammoths. Like, why? Yeah, right. I mean, you could just go to the back of our refrigerator and get an ancient meatball if you're really hungry. So anyway, so it's time for Richard's Roundtable. And Ricky and Oren Franco are here. Welcome to the show. 
What are your thoughts about this very fascinating meatball situation? As long as you can grill it, uh, <laughs> I think we uh, 100% support it. The special charcoal, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Modern... I also think if you're going to go like ancient, try dinosaurs. I think they brand much better. Yeah, meat. I kind of agree with that. And, you know, there's something about reptile meat, right? I mean, if you're going to be different, <laughs> be really different. Exactly. Right? Peter, what are your thoughts? I can't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> They must be the first one, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, at least they're not doing humans, right? Anya's here. She's kind of looking terrified at the whole prospect of commenting <laughs> on an ancient meatball. Well, as long as the dogs can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of getting a hint about what people's companies are here, right? Exactly. Why did they start with a meatball? Why not ancient lettuce? Something that everybody could eat. You know, because you're because really kind of excluding you, the meat eaters. Would you ever. rather have a meatball or would you rather have lettuce? Well, I we, personally, I'd rather have the meatball. So. Yes. Rebecca. I feel like we skipped a step. We went directly to old furry elephant and didn't go to elephant first. So I don't really understand that thought process. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Kenya? I don't know if I want to eat any of this based on it being a mammoth, right? But I think... If it's a healthy option and it's going to help us continue to be able to have food as long as it's not processed, I'd be open. I don't think I'm trying it. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but well, you're good, Kenya. David. I'm down to eat anything, but I will say I want to bring it back a little bit to the patent issue here. That's the more, <laughs> oh, right. As, as a patent attorney, that's probably the more important topic for discussion. So I'm going to watch this one closely for sure. Absolutely. It's great that you bring that up. The applications have been filed, but they haven't been examined yet. So we don't even know if they have a patent yet. Right now, it's a lot of who invented first, but I haven't seen the claims of the patent. So who knows what's in there? Yes, yeah, so we picked this one for you, David, since you do a lot of food patents. There you go. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to Ricky and Orrin Franco. I'm really excited to hear an update from them. They were on the show when we first started years ago. Absolutely. So welcome to the show again. Please tell us what's going on with Charcoal 6. Great to be back. Four years since we were last here. We've had a child since. Uh, I was eight months pregnant, I think, when I came here. And the business have been growing nicely over the last four years. We are developing new products, everything high-performing, clean and sustainable fuels for the use in restaurants and backyards and some other applications in the industrial area as well. So we are kind of developing that market more and more since we launched. And it's really exciting to see some of the leading restaurants in the United States using it. And just overall, people are looking for a better alternative to what they're using as fuels. Your product is a charcoal, right? And that could be used to power a grill or any type of heating, cooking appliance, right? So yeah, the main product is sustainably made charcoal. We got a lot of questions regarding the use of the charcoal in a fireplace indoors, which is not recommended, but it did lead to our second product, which is Prime 6 Fire Logs. The same technique using basically sawdust or waste, compressing it with no binders, no chemicals. It's basically recreating a wood log in a better version of it. It's food safe as opposed to a lot of the other options out there. And we do have a fire starter to help our customers light both the charcoal and the wood logs. Why is your charcoal or your fireplace log better than a regular log? A number of reasons. The first, I think, and foremost, is something that has been a core value of the company since day one is the sustainability aspect. So there is enough sawdust 
in the U.S. to create products that can substitute other products using lumber. So you don't have to actively chop down trees. You can take that sawdust, which mostly goes into landfill, and companies are having a hard time finding where and how to responsibly get rid of that. And you can turn that into a product. And not only are you turning that into a product, the manufacturing process of our charcoal or the wood logs is almost emissions-free. So the process is environmentally friendly. And the products can outperform or do actually outperform the conventional products. So our Prime 6 fire log is denser than a regular log of wood. It's drier. And so in terms of the value that you're getting, it burns longer, it burns cleaner, and same goes for the charcoal. What is your market and where are you selling this? We are selling in both retail, leading retailers like Walmart, Lowe's, Amazon, our own website, grocery stores across the country. Actually, our main market has developed into um, servicing the food service industry. Many restaurants across the country, from the barbecue pit all the way to Michelin star restaurants, are using the product. I think the value proposition at the end of the day is what dictates and helps the chef make the decision to convert their fuel into Prime 6. The the consistency, the heat, the savings, just your overall performance is unparalleled to any other product. So that has really helped us grow as a company and is leading to our main or next milestone, which is building our own manufacturing in the United States. That's great. One thing that we are, I mean, a few things that we're doing that is different than manufacturing of charcoal just generally is that a manufacturer can control the quality by basically deciding how much they want to carbonize the wood. So you can carbonize wood to a certain percentage. You can have carbon be 50%, 70%, 90%, and that dictates the amount of heat and longevity that the product will eventually omit. So we decided that we're going to make the best charcoal out there. And we make sure that our carbon content is over 85%. And once you have a product that is really rich in carbon, carbon turns into energy. And so that energy is very intense for a very long time. And an equal distribution of the heat, right? So when it comes to cooking, especially if you're getting food to taste a certain kind of way, like that's super important. And I know you have some chefs that are pretty high profile that have been using your product. Yeah, we've been fortunate in food service working with some of the chefs. Yeah, I, I come from hospitality. My background is is back of the house. Um, and it's almost like a dream come true for me to work with companies like the Alinea Group, Union Square Hospitality, Michael Mina, all these amazing chefs that are leading in the industry, seeing them, and you know, sometimes we even get surprised ourselves of finding out through social media that this chef is actually using the product. For me, it's almost like a dream come true. Well, what kind of things are they saying about it? It's the reach out from chefs saying, we stopped working with this distributor. We used to buy it from them. I'm working with somebody else. How can I get it? I, I can't live without it. We have a chef saying he orders direct and they ran out one time because he was late to order. And he's calling me and saying, you know, you have to send me a pallet tomorrow. My cooks are threatening to walk out the kitchen if they have oh my, to go back to regular oh charcoal. So it's, it's holy cow. It's that's these, amazing. Yeah, man. it's yeah. these things that really, you know, for, for me, it's these things that I like to see more than the burns hot, burns longer that we knew when we started. I didn't know that chefs cooked with charcoal. I always think of chefs as just cooking with 
with gas, right? I think any chef would prefer live fire than gas. The obstacle usually is the permits, especially in New York, getting right. an open flame permit. Um, but there is an ongoing trend in hospitality to go back to basics. And cooking on live fire is considered the most primal method of cooking that requires the highest level of expertise and craftsmanship because controlling gas is turning a dial. Controlling a charcoal or live fire requires you to know how to handle that. And if you're cooking woolly mammoth meatballs, you want that <laughs> live fire experience to really get the taste where it needs to be, right? I'm agnostic. I will eat any piece of meat. Like if if uh, the woolly mammoth people are listening and they need somebody to test out their meatballs uh, on a grill, I, I humbly volunteer right it now. It sounds like so a great that. marketing combo, you know? Charcoal 6 and woolly mammoth meatballs. Match made in heaven. So what are your plans for growing the business? You've got a very solid foundation and it seems like the business is doing really, really well. What are your plans now to go the next step? We've created a good basis for the company and the brand is already has awareness and people are asking for our product uh, when they're in stores or from the distributors. I think what we intend to do next is to continue to expand on both markets retail and food service. We have started selling our product in Mexico a year ago. We have our distribution partner there. Uh, we're looking into Canada and um, Northern Europe as well for expansion. And we find that there are other applications for our product in industrial uses. For example, charcoal, when you grind it to powder, is actually biochar. Biochar is used for rejuvenating the soil because it captures carbon and it helps with different applications in agriculture. So we're finding out more and more as we get into it that there are other things that we could develop into in other markets that are untapped for us. Well, we hope, too, that you're getting intellectual property in all of those countries you're expanding to, right? So tell us a little bit about the process that you use to develop the charcoal. Initially, we wanted to create a product that is sustainable and clean. And so knowing David before, we said, let's give David a call and see what we should do next. And he recommended that we start a search. And that was the best advice that we got <laughs> because we had no idea if what we developed was already out there, if anybody was developing something similar. And so getting that okay that we can continue with, with the application was a milestone, really. And we've been counting on David for everything else since then with the packaging and the design and new products that we're bringing to market as well. I see in my notes that you plant a tree for every sale you make. Is that still true? Yeah, we have a partnership with uh, an amazing nonprofit called One Tree Planted. And it is part of the sustainability aspect as one of our core values is since charcoal does omit some CO2 and the manufacturing process, any manufacturing process has some kind of impact. The way that we see it, if you combine our green manufacturing with planting a tree, which pays dividends year after year after year, we are able to offset and at some point actually produce more oxygen than we consume. And so this happens with every box of charcoal. This happens with every box of wood logs that we sell. And um, we definitely plan on continuing to do so until we um, plant as many trees as we can. So I just had a question about like your market, right? So you've got the mainstream consumer, right? Somebody who may like to, to grill barbecue who might be going to Walmart to buy the product. And then you have your 
secondary consumer, which is chefs and the industry, right? So is there any other demographics you're looking to grow into or go after with your product line? Anybody that takes grilling seriously is our... Uh, the serious grillers. Is, yeah. I mean, they Only, can be please. an athlete. They can be a celebrity of some sort. They can be a barbecue competitor. Really anyone that just needs this reliable source of fuel that is clean and sustainable, that's not going to impact their flavor profile, is really our consumer. Well... David Postalski, who was here in the room with us, just whispered in my ear, ask him about Shark Tank. I was just going to ask him about Shark (laughs) Shark Tank. Tank. Probably one of the more intense experiences we had, not only doing Shark Tank, but doing Shark Tank through COVID made it that much more stressful. A very, very long quarantine before we could tape. And the whole experience was surreal. It's funny, you get eight minutes on the actual show, but you're in there for about an hour and they shoot question after question after after question and you try to answer everybody and I think it is part of seeing if you can handle the room because you're up against four five very well seasoned trained smart people we are very happy it worked out we got two offers and we decided to go with Kevin O'Leary Mr. Wonderful of course and it's been great since well you've been handling this room just fine so we're glad that you're not under the same pressure as you were (laughs) With Shark Tank, but has that helped your business? Absolutely. I think more than anything, the platform is incredible. And to be on TV is not bad, so. <laughs> so does Mr. Wonderful make you cook on the briquettes with, for him? Like, do you have to grill him a steak or something? <laughs> he does a lot of grilling with it, and he uses it in a pizza oven as well. So there are different applications. He's definitely Chef Wonderful as well, so yes. What made you go with Kevin's offer over the other shark? There's a number of reasons. Kevin was my choice before we even got on the show. I told her that if we actually pass all the stages and get to the filming, I would want to go with Kevin. He has this attraction or affiliation to food, which I think uh, worked well with the brand. Then you start doing research and see what other companies the sharks have invested in and can you find potential partnerships. So it's also a strategic move. On top of that, like Ricky said, He does have a lot of cooking videos. He considers himself chef wonderful. He even said it to uh, Damon on the show that he's a chef when the both offers were up in the air. And so I thought there was a lot of value in that. I also think it's good to have somebody like him in your corner. Fascinating interview. Thank you for sharing your story about Prime 6. Ricky and Oren Franco from Prime 6. What is your website? Prime-6 spelled.com. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. It's the Gerhardt Law Client episode. Stay tuned for more great stories after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gerhardt Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gerhardt Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project 
project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We are having a Gearhart Law product show and inventor show. It's very cool. Everybody here is a Gearhart Law client, and they've all invented incredible things. The person coming up next helps people who are inventing things. Her name is Rebecca Birmingham. And she is with the Ventures Lead in IP and Digital Council with Arup, which is a global engineering and design firm. So welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us about what you do. Sure. I have a very fun job. I help out a lot of brilliant designers, engineers, city planners, folks that have ideas that we think are scalable beyond one particular project to protect their ideas, their IP, to market them externally. Sometimes we create new startup companies for those technologies and we get investment and we get them out into the world. Our motto is we shape a better world and that's how we try to do that. What is one of your favorite ones? My favorite one is a technology called Acorn and that is an independent company now. I'm a lifelong New Yorker and anyone who lives in New York knows how reliable our subway is. And Acorn is a technology that uses the same kind of swipe card technology RFID that you might use to get into a building. We use that on a train track so that trains can communicate with each other. And that means they're more reliable, they're much safer. Safety in rail is a huge issue right now. And our goal is to revolutionize the way that train signaling works so that the trains will be more reliable. So how does it work now? The New York City subway signaling system is about 100 years old, literally. It's traffic lights. And if the traffic lights go down and radios go down, the, the trains... The burns out. <laughs> yeah, the trains have to stop and there's no way to keep them running. And with the Acorn system, the trains can still communicate with each other. Even if all of those systems go down, the trains can keep running. That's pretty interesting. So when the fares go up, is that because they've instituted a new Acorn system? <laughs> Hopefully the, the fares will go down. Our system can be installed for a third of the cost of the current state of the art, which is the state of the art currently is from the 1970s. So we're, we're really moving forward uh, at a rapid pace in the rail industry. And a usual rail system is installed in 20 years. Ours can be installed in two. So is New York doing it now? New York City is not, but we are looking to two pilots in Asia for the next year. So we are um, looking to adopt this technology all around the world. Do you ever get a chance to work with the purchasing agents directly on these systems? And what what is that experience like? Yes. Yeah, so Arup as a firm has been part of designing 
some of the most state-of-the-art rail lines all around the world. And so we do have really close connections into all of these agencies. Every rail line is a bit different how they procure these technologies, which we're learning a lot about as we go. But we've also been working with some local manufacturers here in New York City in order to actually produce our prototypes and test them out. So your services seem super solution-based. Like, how do you acquire new clients? Like, do you go identify projects that could utilize what you offer, or do people come to you? How does it work? Right now, because we are a firm, it's 18,000 people around the world. We have many, many offices. We have really good visibility into what's coming, which is BART doing a project out in the Bay Area soon? Um, Are they planning to do a a renovation for WMATA? Things like that. Um, We're able to have that insight and then go and approach them proactively. Are there other engineering companies like Arup that do this kind of stuff where they have this mix of all of these projects? As far as we know, we're quite unique. Some companies have an investment arm, so they might invest money into startups. We're actually owned in trust on behalf of the employees. So our profits kind of go back to all of us as owners of the company. And so we have a bit of a different model and our people are so brilliant that we want to support their own ideas to scale them. So we believe that our program is quite unique. So are most of your projects based around transportation or are you diversified? We're doing all kinds of things. Acorn is just one example of what we're doing. We're also looking to technologies in energy storage, electric vehicles, performing arts. It's a long list, but anything that has to do with the built environment we're involved in. How did the company get started? We were founded in the 1940s by Ove Arup who was a structural engineer in the UK. He designed the Sydney Opera House, the Penguin Pool at the London Zoo, and the firm started as a very traditional engineering firm, but grew over the years to, as I said, 18,000 people, but doing all kinds of things, lighting designers, architects, planners, transport, anything you can think of, really. And how do you keep track of all of these different projects? It's tough. (laughs) I look after the Americas. So we have offices in the U.S., Canada, and Colombia. I have a counterpart in each of our other regions around the world. So we keep in close touch with each other. But I'm always learning about a new person that I hadn't heard of that's doing something different that's really cool. I learn a lot every day. How do you attract the investors? My life before I came to Arup, I was more in the kind of innovation startup world. So Built up a lot of connections through that, but we actually have a person in each of our offices all around the country and in Canada and Colombia that form those relationships with the investors on the ground. Because especially in things like climate tech that we're very focused on, there's a new fund being started almost every day. So um, really being on the ground and understanding that and letting people know who Arup is, is a big part of our job. Do you have an engineering background? Like, how did you get involved? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I actually do come from a family of engineers. My grandfather was an engineer, but my background is in music, music technology, and then went to law school and got involved in innovation and entrepreneurship and worked with Arup designing a building, actually. That's how I met them. And they really wanted to do something different. And that's when the Ventures program got started. Good for you. If an entrepreneur wants to approach you with the project, what's the best way? And, and do you look at a lot of different projects? Yes. So 
we try to not have a big, heavy application process. We try to make it as easy as possible for people because we do know that this is not part of their day job and we want to encourage people to bring their ideas forward. So we just say, give us a call. Let's talk it through. Then we'll often call David and uh, talk it through with him and do a bit of a search and see if there are similar things out there. And we do it in sort of stages so that we can support the ideas that we think have the, the most legs. So when you say do a search, you're doing a product search or a patent search? What kind of searches are you doing? Prior art search for patents. Sometimes it's just in the literature, not necessarily patents, but that's usually the process that we go through. We do try to do it as quickly as possible to actually go through the provisional patenting process, do that kind of thing. In many of the areas where we're focused, energy storage is a good example. Things are moving really, really fast in that space. So we want to make sure that we can get that protection as soon as possible so we can go out into the world and start talking to investors and talking about it. So we have a lot of things in stealth, but we try to get it out there as soon as we can. I find the energy storage fascinating. What's happening? Are batteries getting smaller and smaller? Are people sucking energy out of the air better or from the sun or from the wind? Or Well, it's really encouraging that we're looking to wind energy, solar energy, clean energy solutions all around the world but we don't have a very good way of storing that energy right now if you're not using it right away. So we are essentially looking to design enormous batteries that can save that energy for a period of time. So think of 500-foot hole in the ground that is a giant battery, essentially. What do you see the future of Arup? I mean, is it just taking more projects, creating more products? Is there a specific vision for the company? Yeah, my hope is that as we're kind of moving into new areas, we're focusing on more revolutionary technologies. We are doing more and more research and development work. We're a professional services firm, which means we have to charge for every hour that people are working. And that's a tough business. And if we we can actually bring in more of our revenue from things that are scalable. It's, you know, the old adage, make money while you sleep. That would be great. And it gives our brilliant engineers and designers more time to be creative. It's brilliant what you're doing. Do you love what you do? I do love what I do. It is something that is considered very new at a very large firm. So it can be tough sometimes convincing people that this is something we should be focused on, but people are really getting on board and supportive of it. Do you get a chance to work on the business side or are you mostly on the legal side? I get to do both. For a lot of the legal stuff, we call David. So that's not something I have to chase. But I do work on the legal side more on the kind of corporate and incorporation side, that kind of thing, and agreements and contracts and all that kind of good stuff. But I also get to use my business brain, and I really like getting to do both. So are you just consumer products and music? Do you do any tech? Yes, we do have some digital products. Acorn itself is a little bit of a hybrid because there is a, a digital aspect to it. We tend to focus on hardware because, you know, we're engineers, we're built environment people. That is uh, something that we can easily put onto our projects and put out there into the world. But we are doing that as well. Excellent. Rebecca Birmingham with the Ventures Lead in IP and Digital Council with Arup, which is a global engineering and design firm. And you can find out more at arup.com, A-R-U-P.com. Passage to Profit, the road to entrepreneurship. And we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world. 
QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And this is the Gearhart Law Patent Palooza. We've got Gearhart Law clients on today, and we are just really excited to be talking with them. Before we get to them, it's time for Power Move. So, Kenya, who's teed up for Power Move today? So, for Power Move today, we're not going to give it to a person. We're actually going to give it to a university. It's going to be Bowie State University because they just created their own tech internship program for students to help them navigate a lot of the unnecessary hurdles when it comes to getting placed when it comes to employment, right? So they're going to be working directly with employers and with companies and government agencies to make sure that students not only get placed, but can make sure that they don't have to take unnecessary testing, like coding, all these other things that make it very difficult sometimes to get placed in a proper opportunity. That's great. I mean, we should be doing more of that because, I mean, really, it's all about jobs, right? And getting a job, getting a good job, right? And if you can break down those barriers, that's great. It's not just about getting a good job. We desperately need more people in tech. Absolutely. Really, that's that's brilliant. And Elizabeth, tell us what's (laughs) been going on with your projects. So, for those of you who have never heard this before, I I say it every show, so I've said it a million (laughs) times. I have a startup. It was called Fireside. It is now called Blue Streak for various reasons. And it is a video directory of B2B businesses online, of course. And I've been working on it for a while. It's changed a bunch of times. Right now, the website's getting done, and I'm looking at software, speaking of people in tech, right? (laughs) Looking at software that I need to really manipulate the videos the way I need them to be and get them on the website and all this different stuff. So I'm still working on it. And that is that. And then also last December, I started a podcast with Danielle Woolley and it is about cats. Danielle and I are cat lovers. And I started because I got this kitten and he was scratching his fur off his face and nobody could figure out why. I am really happy to say he's almost 100%. He's on, He may be on medication the rest of his life, but we finally found some medications that worked. One of them, of course, I think I always say this was my idea <laughs> that I insisted the vet give him. So the cat podcast, we have cat lovers on. We do have one thing that we're going to try to do every couple months or so, cats versus dogs. So it's really fun. We have cat people on and dog people on. It's not really the animals fighting, right? It's just it's, it's the, the people, people. sharing and, opinions and about I, which is better. I will say I do think cats won at the very end of the first one when Danielle said, wet dog smell. Yeah. <laughs> well, that and that's in your unbiased cat lover's opinion. That's in my unbiased cat lover. They might lose at the litter box, though. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. <laughs> So with that, enough about this. We are on to our next presenter, Peter Olofsson, founder of On and Off. And this is a really innovative product, and I'm so excited to hear about it because I think it can serve a lot of people. So welcome, Peter. Tell us what On and Off is and what it does. On and Off is the first audio company focusing on needs of uh, education and kids. And so how do you help? We started with a brand called Buddyphones, and Buddyphones was all about safe audio for kids because we what we fi- figured out in 2014 
was the kids were listening to uh, audio much, much more than it did before because the kids were getting smart devices into their hands. And the statistics were coming out of the US that 12.5% of kids had a hearing damage directly relatable using headphones and earbuds too loud. Wow. Yeah. Is that reversible, that ear damage? Or? No, it's all permanent. So it's, 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 wow. it's super important for parents to be aware of about this because it impacts your social skills and impacts your kind of education skills as well. I think I have a little bit of hearing loss as I've matured. It's awkward because you're asking people to repeat things, right? Yeah, imagine it like this. You were young, and when I was young, we didn't have anything in our ears. Kids right. get something into their ears at two years old. They get smart devices into their hands at that time. So what we are seeing now is that the hearing damage, which is a permanent damage, it happens over time, of course. And it's a little bit, a little bit over time until you have a hearing loss, like 20-year-old have a hearing for a 40-year-old. And whenever they get 40, then they have permanent damage on their hearing and they need probably some uh, devices for it. So how does it stop the kids from getting this hearing loss? So when we started, we looked at the kind of the audio spectrum and we said, okay, what is a safe audio? And that means what we kind of uh, we based our uh, audio on, it was from a World Health Organization, was 85 decibels across the whole audio spectrum. So it means the kids can listen for eight hours without any hearing damage. So we, this is where we started. And then since then, we have been evolutionizing uh, the audio for kids. So we have seven CES awards, which is a kind of consumer electronic awards from uh, a CES show in Las Vegas, leading this category. Like with any new brands, like if you think about it, Bose has been doing the same headphone for 40 years. This is how we establish an A-level brand. We are thinking about this in, for kids in education. So we are specialized in this field, so therefore we are the best in this field. Yeah, no, I think about like kids and I think about like the gaming industry and like how that's a billion dollar industry, right? Everybody's consuming video games. Does it work with the headsets or compatible with the gaming systems that are out there? Absolutely. We uh, just limit the volume on the headphones when we have multiple headphones. We have a noise cancellation headphones for kids. We have a gaming headphones for kids. We have multiple headphones for kids. Because kids are like us, you know, they need specific headphones for their own needs. And if you look at yourself, you don't have one headphone. You have multiple headphones. You have one airport which you walk a street around. You have a Bose headphones to go on a plane. And so you have multiple headphones. So you have multiple needs for kids as well. One more quick question. Do you have a set of headphones that I can drown out my husband at home? He might want a pair too. So. I was going to ask, is Richard really losing his hearing or just ignoring me? Because I'll tell you. Oh, that is so unfair. <laughs> but Peter, Peter, where are you selling these and who's buying them? So we are selling across the globe. We sold over 3 million headphones into the market. You can find us on Amazon, of course. We work with Amazon in terms of uh, made-for-Amazon programs. So when you buy Kindle for kids, uh, up pops buddy phones. And you find us as well on Walmart.com, Best Buy, and of course in airport retail across the U.S. So the name of this is Buddy Phones? Yes, Buddy Phones. So tell us about Story Phones. Yeah, Story Phones is our latest product. What we are doing with Story Phones is to give kids option of screen-free entertainment. So we're taking the screen away. The screen has an impact, a kind of a negative impact on eyesight, on sleep patterns. Always consuming all your entertainment through a screen takes your imagination away. And as well, learning to listen to stories helps kids to learn to read and write. Uh, we launched Storyphones last year, and now we're rolling it into the market today. And so tell us, what does the product do? So it's pretty much like this. You have a headphone, and when you place a story shield, with a specific shield with content, we work with Disney, we work with Sony, uh, all kind of big content providers. You place the shield on the headphones and downloads a story into the headphones and tells the kids a story. 
You don't need to have any screen involved at all. So there's a memory in the headphones, and the story gets downloaded into that, and then the kid can listen to the headphones and the story wherever they are. So you need that Wi-Fi for the first time, but the second time, third time, fourth time, you don't need any Wi-Fi. That's a great idea. So have you launched this product yet? Or? Yeah, we launched it both in North America and as well in Europe. We launched in five different languages with English, Spanish, French, Italian, and German. We got listed on uh, Time magazine as one of the Invention of the Year 2022. Amazing. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you getting lots of thank you letters from parents? <laughs> Especially after long plane rides or car rides? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that's cool about our product, we have a specific shield which we call Play Shield. And with Play Shield, you can actually read your own stories into the system and make your own shield. So imagine like this. The grandparents might live a thousand miles away, but the kids can be listening to the voice every night to go to bed. So, and as well, when they grow up, they have a ways to bring those stories to next generation. When our kids were little, I used to make up ghost stories for them and scary stories and stuff. Like, I would just make them up out of my head all the time. I still have nightmares over those. <laughs> <laughs> but to be able to do that and have it recorded somewhere where they can actually easily listen to it, right. I think that's very cool. I mean, you only have to tell the story once, right? right. I mean, how many times have your kids asked you to tell the same story over and over again, right? And say, oh, here, just listen to it one more time, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, and I think as well is, as much we love Disney and all of the big story providers, I think there is a story within each and every family. And this is a vehicle which you can bring those stories to next generation. And this is the second thing which I see parents get emotional about. Because those stories which we listen to as a kid are somewhat disappearing. That's a great point. I was just thinking when you were talking, um, even just having a voice recording of someone's voice, like if they pass or something like that, it's an important memory to have of people. I still have voicemail messages from my mom mm -hmm. before she passed away. And every once in a while, it's kind of neat to hear her voice after five, six years. Mm. Where did this idea come from? Of course, we started with Bertifones and we started in the same audio space for kids. And with the new companies, innovation, you don't know where you're going to lead into, you know. So over time, this became so obvious to us. Because screen-free entertainment for the kids was an essential thing for kids to have today. Because the smart device became a pacifier for the kids. Mm -hmm. So if you're driving, you throw your phone in the back seat of the car, and the kids are starting using YouTube or whatever, you don't know where, what kind of entertainment they're actually consuming. So with buddy phones... We got the opportunity to build a brand, which is an absolutely unique opportunity. But with Storyphones, we have an opportunity to do something meaningful. So I remember the stories which my grandparents told me. I remember the stories which my parents told me. I thought to myself, it's like, how wonderful it would be that when I have kids and they grow up, I can bring those stories to them. I would just guess that a lot of people now in this very busy U.S. culture that we have, a lot of parents really don't take the time to really tell their kids stories or family history stories. I think a lot of parents probably still read to their children, but a lot of the times kids are occupied by being on devices, right? And everybody's so busy, they're just kind of flying by each other, right? Mm -hmm. And this is a chance to really have some quality time that hopefully they'll enhance their humanness. Absolutely. And we have actually a third kind of shields we call sense shield. It's all about calming, soothing sounds for kids. And we're building a whole category of mindfulness programs. And it helps a lot of kids because kids today are exposed to so much noise everywhere they go. To give them something which can calm them, can soothe them down, Give them kind of a device for that. It's great. 
I think that's an excellent idea. Like you said, you're hit with this barrage of input from everywhere. And if you can have something, just close your eyes, put the headphones on, take a break for a minute, especially for these kids that they do get very upset by these things. Yeah, I think so. And I think as an innovator, listening to stories to build your creativity, your kind of imagination. And when I was reading the Harry Potter books, I imagined how Harry Potter should be looking like. Kids today, they just watch the films. And so there's no imagination that goes with it. So if we kind of build the designers and creative people of tomorrow, we need to give them a tools to have a rich imagination. Were you surprised, by the way, when you saw the Harry Potter movies? Was it like what you had imagined? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, somewhat. But in a way, it's, it doesn't matter if Lord of the Rings or the Harry Potter. Of course, as a kid, we had our own imagination how we should be looking like. Of course, I love the movies, but they have the option to either read the stories or listen to the stories, it's important. I agree. I remember reading stories as a kid, and then they do a book cover, and it's like, no, she doesn't look like that. You, you, <laughs> you're still down on the Jack Reacher movies, because you read the story. Because and Tom you Cruise think, is not Jack you Reacher. You think that Jack Reacher should look completely different than he does in the movies. Jack Reacher's this big guy. Tom Cruise is like five foot two, whatever. So, anyway, I do want to mention that Peter is in New York with us, and he has come all the way from Hong Kong. My pleasure, actually. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say super quickly that your product is very timely. We're in the middle of what we call the audio renaissance. So this is a perfect time to be having something like this available in the market. We are very fortunate for the reception of the product. Every parent I've spoken to understands this dilemma that the screen is, as much as we love the screen, at home, at school, we need to have a different kind of options into the market. You can find out more about Peter's products at onanoff.com, O-N-A-N-O-F-F.com. And we like to say this show is about innovation. And I really feel like today we are really getting products for the future and on. In so many this different so ways. Cool. It's really cool. So now I want to introduce our next guest who has been very patiently waiting, Anya Skoda, founder of Happy Bond. If you're an animal lover, dogs right now, she swears to me she's going to expand it to cats because I, I told her she has to do cats. She has a great food product. So welcome, Anya. Please tell us all about it. Um, yeah, Happy Bond aims to extend the health span of our dogs through a functional, transparent, and actually science-backed nutrition. And it all started with our patented collagen joint supplement. Did you have a sick dog or something? Is this why you made the food in the beginning? Yeah, so the story started actually with my bulldog, Tony, who's a passionate skateboarder. Not the most talented, but he really loved to wait, skateboard. Wait, wait, wait. Your dog is skateboarding? It is really true. Okay. Uh, bulldogs right. tend to really love skateboarding. They have a very low center of gravity and, and can balance. Well, of course. I, I should have thought of that. <laughs> and so um, he suffered from arthritis and couldn't skateboard anymore. was really depressed. And since my background is in biotech engineering, I could help him with that uh, formula that brought him back in a week. Wow. A week. Wow. What did you put in this miracle food? <laughs> it was based on my research in cartilage tissue engineering. It is a collagen base and then some other magical things that is very transparent ingredients. It's human grade. So we tested on humans first to make sure that the dogs won't suffer. So and you it, tested on humans first. We always do. 
<laughs> to make sure the dogs won't suffer. I, I, I see we the, have our priorities right. right. Okay, got it. I wish that I had talked to you before. So Max, my cat, he loves Richard too. We got him as a kitten. He was scratching and they didn't know if it was a food allergy. And I had him on straight venison for three weeks. It didn't help. He's on medication now. But a part of my brain still kind of wonders, is there some food allergy? Is there something we could give him? Right now I have him on the special food for sensitive skin, and he's doing a lot better. And I wonder how much of it is the food. Well, that is hard to diagnose over the radio. (laughs) (laughs) No, but but do you think that the food is getting worse for animals and it's making them sicker? Oh, yeah. Well, that product I mentioned is our first one in the line of, of many. And we just launched our human-grade fresh dog food, which brings that back to no-processed products, like for humans. If you look at the pet food and the history of it, it started with this brown burnt balls, which they call kibble. And it's highly processed many times to high temperatures, so the nutrients and the proteins are not really present anymore, which you don't want to eat that. I don't think that dogs either. So there is a lot of additives that could cause those allergies and we would always recommend put them on a very clean protein diet, maybe even homemade for a couple of months. So have you considered the whole woolly mammoth meatball food product yet? You've learned about it today, right? Yeah. So you have to go back to the Could lab. Could be an interesting protein for allergies <laughs> because yeah, well, they, they haven't been well, exposed but, you know, to that nice one. That's about, true. You have to give them a protein they haven't been exposed but to. But if, if you're exactly. cloning the meat product, right, you're not introducing any of the footprint that meat has, the carbon footprint, right? Right. And you're not harming any animals. You're just cloning cells. So it it does actually sound like a good idea, depending on how it tastes, right? Well, here's why she was so smart to start with dogs. Because cats will literally turn their nose up at anything. (laughs) So to try to get a food that cats like (laughs) would be almost impossible. Well, I will guarantee you that they will eat our food. <laughs> well, I'm looking for it. <laughs> Where are you selling it? We right now selling it over our website as well as in specialty pet retail at some natural grocery stores, mostly in California. Uh, but we're expanding. We just launched the food late last December. So we just got a national distributor for expanding this year nationwide. That's very exciting. Kenya. I'm curious to see, like, what were some of the benefits of your product that you saw in humans? that made you say this is good to go to market with dogs? Uh, Well, joint pain. Mm -hmm. So if you take it yourself, and my husband is my best guinea pig. (laughs) Still alive. (laughs) Don't eat anything. (laughs) He had issues with his hip, and and that was uh, gone within a couple of weeks. And today I'm taking it every day as a preventative for your run, for your knees. It does have a nice side effects, if you will. It's making your skin very elastic and better looking. I need some. I need some. Yeah. <laughs> I need some. So do you have a collagen line for humans or are you strictly dog food? Strictly dog food. But as I said, everything we do is human grade. So we have a lot of pet parents that share the collagen with their dogs. And there are no additives, no flavors added. It's a pure powder and it is human grade. And the food comes in a glass jar, which is sustainable, recyclable and transparent. So you actually see what your dog is eating. The dogs are our best friends. They're family now, right? So they should eat the same quality as we do. That's why the humanization of our dogs and cats really brought this industry into a new level of innovation because people want their dogs to eat the best, the healthiest food to have them live longer like they already do, but also be healthy longer. That's what we call health span. And the bond between a dog and a human started through food and will always be the middle 
of their relationship. What is the feedback that you get from people, how their dogs feel better? Like, is, I know the arthritis, is there anything else that it's working on? So the food in particular is a very clean, low-processed food. We only have eight ingredients without adding minerals or vitamins because our process is so gentle to the ingredients that it's still a complete and balanced diet by AFCO. So you don't have to worry. If you're thinking about home cooking, actually 19% of pet parents cook for their dogs. It's pretty time-consuming and expensive, but they also never achieve a complete and balanced diet unless they're really nutritionists. So that's one benefit. And then we created this also to be convenient for the pet parent because it's shelf-stable for two years in your pantry. You don't need to use a freezer or fridge, which also brings more sustainability. You don't have to use that energy footprint for your freezer full of dog food. But don't dogs and humans have different digestive systems? I mean, you do kind of have to be careful. If you're thinking about feeding your dog a Big Mac or Whopper or something like that, don't do it. Yeah, you'll Certain regret amount- it later if you're stuck in a car with them or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it is very challenging to cook for your dog or cat in a way like you cook for humans. What makes the glass jar and our food so attractive and palatable for them is the pressure cooking. It, it's kind of you open and it smells like a really good stew. So uh, it's high in protein, over 70%. We had so far no one that didn't like the food. And I would see your cat could try it maybe. Right now we have a chicken and rice formula, a tenderloin sweet potato, grain-free, and a beef broccoli. Mm. That sounds pretty good. Uh, I'm ready for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Bring in the dogs. (laughs) The food is a big portion of their health. Mm -hmm. So being really cautious about what they're eating and control it and have it balanced and the right ingredients not processed, I think the vet bills will be much smaller. I think that this is great. I mean, our son and his wife have two dogs, so I'm sure we're going to tell them, maybe send them some for a gift. Where can we buy this, did you say? On our website, happybond.com. You will find all our products, and then it's selective stores, Amazon, Chewy.com, soon launching in the Petco stores. So there's a lot of outlets and specialty pets. Um, I would name more stores in California, and uh, grocery stores are coming very soon. How did you get the name? The first product's name was Happy Again because my bulldog was happy again when he was back on the skateboard. But then the bigger vision of the brand, I thought we want to do more products to help the dog stay healthy. And the bond between the human and the dog is just like the perfect example. But you cannot have that many bonding moments if you don't have a healthy dog. Happybond.com. And you can find out where to buy it. And people can get it from your website, too. Yes. Passage to Profit, The Road to Entrepreneurship with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our media maven, Kenya Gibson. And if you miss the show, it will be out on our podcast tomorrow, anywhere you hear your podcasts. And really, this is all about innovation and cool new products that you may not find out about anywhere else. So... Take a listen, and we'll be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or 
or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. It's Passage to Profit. Now it's time for Noah's Retrospective. Noah Fleischman is our producer here at Passage to Profit, and he just has a way of putting his best memories in perspective. It just wouldn't have been my grandmother's home without life on the parlor table every week. The original Life magazine, the one with the great photographs and articles capturing our nation and our world. Oddly enough, when my grandmother left us, so did that original iconic version of life. I couldn't imagine a childhood without TV Guide, that little digest we would buy in the convenience store every week that would tell us when your favorite movie would be on at 3 o'clock in the morning that you'd end up having to stay up for on Friday nights. I don't think I stayed up to catch a movie at 3 a.m. in many years. Decades, in fact. The greatest innovations are not always the ones that are going to last forever. But it's the best entrepreneurs that know their market, know the culture, know when to get in, know when to get out, and they know when to give that creation of theirs life. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth, Passage to Profit. And the Gearheart Law client Palooza today. We've had four clients on who we represent in intellectual property matters, and it's just absolutely been fascinating to talk with them and hear their stories. And now the question. They're actually all in New York because they're going to a conference in D.C., but it may not be their favorite conference. So, And because of that, you came up with a question. Yes, and I'm going to start with David Postalski. These are David's clients. David works for Gearheart Law. The question is, David, what is your favorite conference? Very easy. New York Comic Con. I've been going <laughs> I've been going to New York Comic Con from the very first year for the last I think 13 years. I'm like on VIP status for sure. And uh I just love it. I just love to dress up and to see the new premieres and like there's nothing like New York Comic Con. There's always new premieres, there's always new content. And besides, I go for zombies. I go for the Walking Dead stuff. <laughs> All right. Peter Olafson, what is your favorite conference? I think my favorite conference must be uh, the CES show in Las Vegas. It's exhibition, but they have a conference at the same time. The thing is, I can't bring anything into my mind apart from this show because I've been in Hong Kong for the last three years. Everything has been in lockdown. I have not been into any conferences, so CES must be it. And so that's, that's a consum- consumer electronics consumer show. Consumer electronics show. So, Rebecca Birmingham, what is your favorite conference? South by Southwest. It's grown to be such a great mix of film, music, comedy, and now lots of tech and entrepreneurship. That is. We should go. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Does you think it's a little too wild for us? Is that <laughs> maybe? <laughs> It is pretty wild. (laughs) Okay. Oren Franco, what is your favorite conference? Anything that has live fire cooking, we love to go to. (laughs) Ricky Franco. We were part of the Fancy Food Show in New York, so that's one of the the best ones, actually. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Anya Scotta, what is your favorite conference? Well, since I work with dogs at Super Zoo, 
in Vegas is really, really fun and meeting all the industry folks and dogs and the new trends. It's great. Kenya Gibson, what is your favorite conference? I would have to say, I would love to see Passage to Profit put on a conference. I would. Oh, like a live. Wow, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's put on a show. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Gerhardt, uh, what is your favorite conference? Well, uh, being the nerd that I am, I always love hanging out with other lawyers. So wherever lawyers gather is my favorite conference. <laughs> Where do they gather? <laughs> <laughs> Usually at bars. And <laughs> but if it's not work-related, I like the Annapolis Boat Show. I have a small sailboat. And it's really cool to go out and look at the new boats and all the new equipment and then go. You can usually catch a ride with somebody and go out and sail on the ocean. So what could be better than that? Well, I haven't gone to a lot of conferences lately, but a few years ago, Gearhart Law got on the Inc. 5000 fastest growing private companies in the U.S. And Richard and I went to the conference. Thank you for reminding me. And and that was really... And we an, saw Tony Robbins. We saw Tony Robbins. That was an awesome conference. Oh, David went with us. Yeah. Yes, David that, went too. That was an awesome conference. There were so many really high energy, positive people there and learned a lot. I love any place where I can learn something. So mm-hmm. I have to say that was probably my favorite conference. I think it's time to wrap up. Who was on the show today? David Pistolsky and Richard Gearhart, intellectual property attorneys, patents, trademarks, copyrights from Gearhart Law. Kenya Gibson, our media maven from iHeart. And we had Ricky and Oren Franco, founders of Prime 6 Charcoal. That's www.prime-six.com. The amazing Rebecca Birmingham, Ventures Lead IP and Digital Counsel with Arup, A-R-U-P dot com. They are really making the products of the future. And just the stuff they're working on is amazing. So look them up if you're interested in being an innovator with them. Mm-hmm. Then we had Peter Olofsson, founder of On and Off, www.onanoff.com. We hear you, Peter. <laughs> Peter is saving our children, saving their hearing which impacts all the rest of their lives by giving us headphones that don't destroy their hearing. The innovation that this company goes through, all these companies actually on here today. Pure entrepreneurism. Yeah, once people get started innovating, they don't seem to want to quit. It's the best thing. And then we had Anya Skoda with Happy Bond, H-A-P-P-Y-B-O-N-D dot com, the healthiest dog food your dog is ever going to eat, it sounds like to me. And she's going to branch out into cat food so I can try it on Max. (laughs) So that's great. Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director, and Mark Wilson, our syndication manager. Our podcast can be found tomorrow anywhere you find your podcast. Just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information on this program is believed to be correct. Never take a legal step without checking with your legal professional first. Gerhart Law is here for your patent, trademark, and copyright needs. You can find us at gerhartlaw.com and contact us for a free consultation. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.